Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Basak, Ferrer, Nola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusuka. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on September 30th. I am Frank Sample, joined as always by Scott White, and we have lots to get to. On like a random Friday, September 30th, I think there's six days left in the baseball season, Scott. I don't know how this always happens, but it happens. Better late than never. Francisco Alvarez called up by the New York Mets. We've got sleepers for next week. If you are setting your lineups for the final three days of the season, Monday through Wednesday, an Arizona Fall League preview, which starts next week, and much more. But Scott, do you know what today actually is, outside of just September 30th? No. Today is our last Kokomo Friday for mm. a long, long time. That's true. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to be doing Fridays for a while. Which means, you know we had to spice it up a little bit. We had to end the Kokomo Friday season in a very special way, and I've been teasing a big announcement all week long. I was thinking recently, how can we take our off-season content to the next level? Obviously, we're going to talk about way too early rankings. We're going to recap the season, all that fun stuff. But I felt like we needed something more. We needed more dynasty content. We needed more prospect evaluation. Perhaps even somebody on site watching said prospects. Joining us now, and who will be contributing all off-season long, somebody you may be very well aware of. Is it the Welsh? By God, it is. Chris Welsh from In This League and the Prospect One Podcast. Welshie, what's up? Hey, yo. 
Hey, yo. Hey, yo. It's my Scout Hall entrance. What's up, friends? I'm very excited. Wow, I didn't know this was being built up. Uh, this is very disappointing or very exciting <laughs> for many. I am very excited, though, to be getting to hang with you guys every week throughout the offseason and share all of the AFL excitement that's about to start up in a couple days. It's just good to see your faces again. Scott, Frank, oh. We're back. We're back together again. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a lot of people listening or watching, you may know who the Welsh is. Obviously, you might uh, worked here with Scott for a while, doing the show together, and we've had on we've had the Welsh on for many things in the past, prospect related, first year player draft. Um, but don't forget, obviously, he does redraft as well. So we're gonna get all the takes, all the different kind of takes, the redraft, the dynasty, all the prospects, and everything. Of course, we will be previewing the Arizona Fall League a little bit later on. The Welsh is out there in Arizona, so he is on site. He's gonna be watching these prospects. We're gonna get some reports, and I think it's gonna be really, really cool. It's gonna add just another element to fantasy baseball today throughout the offseason, and I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. And speaking of fun, the Mets. They waited until the end, but they are doing it. Perfect timing for the Welsh to come on here because they're calling up their top prospect, Francisco Alvarez, for their big series against the Braves this weekend. 20-year-old right-handed hitting catcher. Uh, he hit 260 in the minors this season. Two, uh, 27 homers and 885 OPS across 112 games. 45 of those at AAA as just a 20-year-old once again. Uh, dealt with an ankle injury, but he did return. I know there's been kind of some ups and downs for him throughout the season. Scott, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on Francisco Alvarez here getting the call? Well, it surprised me. I kind of written off the possibility once he suffered that ankle injury, a, a bone spur in the ankle, but apparently one that doesn't require surgery, at least not yet. And he had also kind of struggled initially upon reaching AAA. Not surprising. He's 20 years old and a 20-year-old catcher at that. Uh, they've moved him so aggressively. But after returning from that ankle injury, his final 13 games at AAA, he hit 362 with three home runs, 10 walks versus 12 strikeouts. He looked great. I mean, it's too late, realistically, for him to contribute to your fantasy team this year, but it, it could... Uh, I mean, James McCann is their catcher, you know, and like they don't, that, that's not saying much. Like this is an audition for next year. I think more than anything else, probably what he's going to do is, is DH against left-handers uh, here to end the season and into the postseason because Darren Ruff has been rough in that role. So he'll, he'll have a chance to contribute. And, um, and then if, if it goes well, I assume he'll be the favorite to enter the uh, spring training as as the Mets starting catcher next year. And that would just add to what's become a pretty impressive bounty of young hitters at that position. Yeah, you kind of alluded to this, Scott. They the plan, according to Joel Sherman, who, you know, it's kind of in on the the scoop here, is that Francisco Alvarez is gonna play against left-handed pitching here down the stretch. They only face one lefty this weekend, and, and that's Max Freed. So uh, I personally feel like he'll play more than that, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Welsh, your thoughts on Francisco Alvarez. And I will just point out, Scott's catcher rankings for next season, way too early catcher rankings, are live on the site. And he has Francisco Alvarez as his 17th ranked catcher for redraft leagues heading into next year. I mean, I may have to move him up just based on yeah. this news. But. You might have yeah. to. One spot yeah. behind Logan O'Hoppy. So they could, you know, both yeah. be in the mix to start for their respective teams next season. Uh, Welsh, your thoughts on Francisco Alvarez? Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing, too. You kind of alluded to at the, the very beginning, like, 
it's it's incredible how many times I've been like, all right, we got the last guy in. This is cool. This is fun. And then they just keep testing the bounds of the players that they're going to bring in. Obviously, this is a situation with him being on the 40 man and um, playoff eligible that I've always kind of seen that the ultimate trajectory is going to be a little bit more DH. I mean, I was surprised they didn't bring him up earlier. Obviously, the injury took that away. Because I think the catching ability is good. I think I worry a little bit about the body long term, but he's explosive. It's an explosive bat. Uh, the strikeout numbers did rise a little bit as he moved up. I mean, he got into like the 26 percentile range, but he walks a whole bunch. Uh, he mashes baseballs. And, you know, I think I think this would actually be kind of similar to uh, how Dalton Varsho was used but he's not going to play the outfield in that. I think a team like the Mets next year are going to want more of a primary lead catcher. And then Alvarez is going to be the guy that's going to be the spell catcher while DHing. I think they would give him a primary DH spot. So yeah, similar to like, our like show. Alejandro Kirk situation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that's a, that's a, and actually, I mean, he doesn't walk like him or have the patience, but yeah, that type of offensive type of impact. And I think that would be the role. And also something, you know, probably explore all offseason you guys have probably done a ton of but you know we're getting the blueprint for the rookies that are going to break camp with these teams next year all vying for this extra compensatory pick of if their guy wins rookie of the year they're going to get a first round pick and i believe if i remember correctly it's all so muddied now that the top three in voting get different variations of picks so that's why this is so worthwhile and you know there's only so many great bats they can put out there but you put a guy like alvarez in new york who could get more at bats the mets are actually kind of sneaky with it because they might have a really good legit shot to maybe not only win you know that first round compensatory pick but maybe just get a top three because right now you're looking like you're going to be competing against uh, Corbin Carroll. Michael Harris is off of that. And then Francisco Alvarez, that might be kind of the top two where in the AL it's Gunnar Henderson. So, yeah, I think you might see a little bit of impact here. I hope he gets more than a bat versus one lefty, especially it being Max Freed. But the one positive is if he struggles just like just a tiny bit, maybe the cost won't be anything crazy next year because it is the wild west of what we're going to be paying for rookies. Like we've never seen before uh, when we get into drafts for 2023. Oh, it's going to be so fun, man. Like just seeing what Gunnar Henderson has done so far. And I know Corbin Carroll has kind of been up and down, but I-, I tweeted this out the other day, watching him run the bases. I know this isn't true, but he looks like the fastest human on planet earth. It is so, I, it is so fun to watch Corbin Carroll run the bases, man. It's crazy. I, I personally, you know, you said, like you said, I'm out here in Arizona. I watch him. His, I was at his major league debut here and he's got another speed. CJ Abrams had it. I, I likened it. The Abrams speed. He has it this past spring training. I was over uh, watching a minor league camp game and he hit this ball against the minor league uh, pitcher for the Dimebacks named Slade Shikoni. And like, I hadn't really seen Corbin in a little bit. He hit this ball and he smacked it against the wall. And I'm not kidding you. Before the ball hit the ground, he had almost touched second base. That's, I mean, everyone can see him now. So I'm not like getting any special surprise. You now see him in the majors. And I think they clocked him in his first couple of games, like a 31 sprint speed. But like it's next level fast. And the only thing I'd add to that, which is interesting component, we're doing, uh, I've been doing an early, early, early mock draft over, uh, over with the, in this league pod. And we just kind of completed it. And we saw Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson both go in the top seven rounds already for the early mock draft. Corbin went in the fifth, Gunnar went in the seventh, and I think that's going to swap based on kind of how some of the performances were. But, you know, we saw a lot of 2020 seasons from prospects. Corbin is absolutely on that trajectory for next year. I could almost see them meeting in the middle, right? Like both six round picks, something like that. That was just where my mind went immediately. 
Uh, just thinking I'm about presuming that that's a 15 team. It was. League. It was okay. a 15 team. Yeah, you're right. I should have prefaced that because if it were like a 12 team head to head, you're gonna they would have been pushed back. Obviously, probably a round and a half to two more. So Corbin more like a seven, Gunner like an eight or nine, something like that. But yeah, it was a 15 team mock. All right, so some Francisco Alvarez, some prospect talk here up at the top, but let's get into some of Thursday's action as well. Oh my good goodness gracious! So, well, so I don't know if you listen to the podcast, but yeah, that's usually how we start this one. And oh my goodness gracious, your standout of the night. And uh, we will start with uh, you, Scotty. Who you got? Oh boy. Okay. So I'm going to go with Taylor Ward, a player who was, oh my goodness gracious, a lot in April and then dropped off very abruptly. Here's what's interesting about that. Um, So... Again, in April, when basically nobody was hitting, he was looking like the best player in fantasy. And then he suffered a shoulder injury in uh, mid-May, or May, uh, May 20th or thereabouts. Ended up missing four or five games of action, came back, and the drop-off completely coincided with that. It's like he he wasn't able to hit anymore. So at the point he suffered the injury, he was batting 370 with an 1194 OPS. And then from May 26th through August 31st, uh, Taylor Ward hit 219 with a 629 OPS. It was completely useless. After that hot start, we held on to him for months and he dragged us down and it was terrible. All of a sudden, he's doing the sorts of things he was doing in April. Again, a three-for-three three performance here on Thursday. That game's not quite over, so there's I'm not sure if he's going to get a chance to hit again or not, but three-for-three three with a home run and a walk. Uh, for the month of September, that is his sixth home run. He's, he's batting about 350 for the month. And maybe it's just him getting hot here to end the season, just completely unrelated to anything Taylor Ward is red hot but I can't help but wonder if that shoulder injury like if that hadn't happened seeing seeing how the drop-off coincided with it so perfectly if that hadn't happened what kind of year Taylor Ward would have had and if we'd regard him as a top 30 outfielder in fantasy right now if not for that injury like, I don't think he would have sustained that April to mid-May production that 370 batting average obviously but would he have been a must-start player all season long? Did it just take a few months for his shoulder to feel right again? And that's what we're seeing here in September. That's It's going to raise some interesting questions uh, when we're talking about drafting him next season. Even with that huge drop-off, Taylor Ward is batting 281 on the season, and he has 23 homers. So even if he regressed but was still kind of healthy and like playing up to... A level, you know, like a decent level, not like he was, could be hitting like 300 with 30 plus home runs, right? Batting behind Trout and Otani that, you know, he's batting clean up tonight for the for the Angels. So I think he's going to be an interesting one to, to kind of dissect for the offseason, uh, but could be a potential, honestly, a breakout for next year, assuming that he is healthy. And from one outfielder to another, Welsh, oh my goodness gracious for you. Oh my Mama, look out because that boy Jared Kelnick is starting to get going. Jared Kelnick on Thursday with a little double dong action, two homers. 
And, you know, it was actually really interesting. We haven't talked about this, but, you know, Shohei Otani tonight as we're recording this. Otani uh, almost had a no hitter. And in that I tuned in very late. And the first at batter I saw was Joe Adele. And boy, was that it's a great reminder of just how bad Joe Adele is. And just they just ate him up and swung through, couldn't move the guys over. The broadcasters were like, really hope we can get Otani in so he can have a little bit of rest before he comes back out on the mound. And Joe Adele's up and on cue, he swings through a disgusting change up low, makes no contact. And the only reason I bring it up is because it's like Jared Kelnick and Joe Adele have been so intertwined in together and how unsuccessful they've both been. And Kelnick has been a disaster train throughout the whole thing. But he's really, really been Pressed with being sent down to the minors. He had his little weird little snafu. I don't know if you guys saw where he like deleted all his Mariner stuff from his Instagram. And you can tell there's just strife. And he's a he's an interesting personality. I've talked about him a whole bunch. I did an interview with him a couple of years ago. But all of that aside, since the call back up before tonight's game, Kelnick was batting 273, a 360 OBP, a 500 slug. He had a homer. He's getting some walks in. He didn't strike out every single game. He goes in and hits two homers tonight, which is going to raise that average up three homers in the month of September. This is his third multi-hit game in September. Listen, this is exactly what a player like this needs. Whether he also needs a change of scenery is, I think, up for debate and question. But this is everything for everybody. You're getting numbers. You're getting some numbies right now. You're getting value in Dynasty. If you want to get off of it, this is the time you can get off of it. And in real life baseball, they're creating some extra value for him showing success, something Joe Adele never does. So I think it's very impressive. This is kind of a wowie wow type of thing to see him pull this together and there's just a lot of real life to fantasy implications that we can take in, whether he is a Mariner or not next season. Three multi-hit games and sustaining this uh, in the month of September, which is very low for him, by the way. I say the month of September. I just want to point out that I think that's like eight games for him since his call-up since September 22nd is probably a little bit more relevant. But hey, man, not striking out every single game, couple homers, multi-hit games. This is a very big positive for a guy that is still incredibly, incredibly young. Yeah, I like looking at the Scott. I'll get to you in a second. I like looking at the baby steps for these young players. And I brought up just on yesterday's podcast, O'Neill Cruz has gone five straight games without striking out, which to the listener might sound ridiculous. But for someone who strikes out 35% of the time, that's a huge step forward for O'Neill Cruz. And I noticed that with Kelnick too. He's now played seven games since returning. He has just five strikeouts during that time. It's a, it's a huge marker. And O'Neill Cruz too, hitting 290 over the last month. Yep. The thing I would mark that I really want to see and we're not going to get, both of the homers hit off of fastballs. Pretty good EV, yeah. uh, 100 EV off of both of those. Um, good launch angle, which is he's a launch angle monster. This is what he's built on. But he also had a strikeout, I think, like kind of change up on one of these. So I'd really love to see him do something more than just destroy ba- uh, fastballs. But this is a first step for a young guy like this. Make sure you're destroying the balls that you are built to do. <laughs> And then hopefully you've got the right coaches and the right staff around you to get better, more tutelage. He really needs it. He was, again, a stupid little dumb side note, but I was at the Mariners camp more than any camp last year in spring training. I stayed after all the guys would go and you would usually on days where Kelnick wasn't batting or they didn't have great lineups, the guys would sit back. And one thing I always noticed no one was ever talking with Jared. Like all the fans wanted him. He he, very, he seemed very isolated. You'd see Winker. You'd see Ty France talking. You'd see Mitch Hanniger with these guys. I never saw Kelnick interacting with players and talking through stuff. And I think that's something he needs. I think he needs us being stopped, put on this pedestal of a top prospect and treated like, hey, you're a guy that's been in the AAA for three, you know, 
three different stints over the last year and a half. And, you know, this confidence and all of that hopefully will change. And I just got you kind of seem to jump on the same idea of like, we love seeing the fastball stuff, but let's see a little bit more to it before we get hyped. Yeah, uh, because I, I happened to check the same thing. Okay, what did he homer on? And they were both fastballs. And and the thing about Kelnick that it seemed like all prospect evaluators missed is just how bad he was on everything that wasn't a fastball. It, it's totally. been, it's been brutal. It's 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 gotten worse with every. I I, I was curious if you'd wondered. I was curious if you'd happened to actually see some of Kelnick play since he returned because I haven't. Uh, and if if you'd noticed any kind of difference on the on the off speed stuff, I, I don't. I mean, I've watched like two uh, two different games as far as at bats go, and he still kind of looks like the same guy. I just think I just don't think there's a big game plan. This is just me projecting. I just don't think there's a big game plan of like, oh, this is how we attack this guy. He was so unsuccessful. You look at the batting average on the stat sheet. He also wasn't hitting fastballs before. So I think pitchers have been very yeah. comfortable doing whatever they need to do. Now this is unfortunately we're not going to get really what we want unless we get into the playoffs because like. Now the adjustment will probably start to happen where, oh, look, Kelnick is just hitting fastballs again. That's three homers in eight games. I would love to see how he's going to start reacting over the next couple of days and into maybe a playoff run. I'd love two or three more weeks to see like what's going to happen when he starts getting sliders outside all day and he's getting change ups low. I'd love to see him react because that hyper aggression, you're totally right. Everybody missed it. He just wasn't being challenged enough in the minor leagues with that type of stuff. Same thing happened with Joe Adele. The book was on him. Dude couldn't hit a fastball above 95 high in the zone. That's happening. And he's cheating so much because he can't do it. He can't hit anything else. It's a disaster. The He needs to be molded into some, something has to change there. And I really hope we, we are seeing the results of something that's happened with Kelnick. Hope. You mentioned Otani in there, and obviously, you know, he's an honorable mention here up at the top. Oh my goodness gracious. But, you know, it's just crazy to me that he sees Aaron Judge's 61st home run. And I don't know that this is like his motivation or anything, but I'm just trying to make a storyline where there might not be. And he takes a no hitter into the eighth inning. It's just like prime <laughs> Otani stuff here. So, uh, look, I think any other season where there's not an, another historic season going on, like what with what Aaron Judge is doing, Otani is the MVP. I, I just want to acknowledge that. Maybe I sound like a homer with Aaron Judge, but I kind of feel like Aaron no, Judge I, deserves MVP. I, I, yeah, I think Judge has it at this point. Yeah. I was kind of of the belief, and generally speaking, still am, that if if Otani stays healthy and does what he does, it's he's going to be hard to beat for MVP most years. He should pretty much be MVP every year, but you... You're looking at an 11-win season from Aaron Judge, and those are just so rare historically. Even if you combine uh, uh, the war for Otani pitching and hitting, it comes out to like nine, which is still amazing. It's It would be a slam-dunk MVP most seasons, but 11 is just another level. Crazy stuff. Uh, Otani, I just want to give you the updated pitching line for him. 2.35 ERA, 103 whip. 213 strikeouts over 161 innings pitched. Even if he was just a pitcher, like that's that's worthy of receiving Cy Young votes. Like that's I just want to point out, like that's just one half of him, by the way. Like, <laughs> like I am I'm an Otani MVP guy. I, I do acknowledge like judge doing something that hasn't been done in 21 years. And when it was done, it was clearly uh, cheating. And uh, with though I still acknowledge it, by the way, I, I acknowledge those home runs. I'm not a Maris guy. We, we all agree on, on that yeah. front. So, yeah, it's just it's I don't know. It's it's the, you have two historic things, 
you know, butting heads right now. And I just, it's hard to look past. And maybe it's, maybe it's the fantasy person in me and we Mm -hmm. see what they're doing from a pitching and hitting side that I can't let go of. But yeah, you're doing something that hasn't been done in 21 years. You've got a player that might be one of the top 10 best at both positions that they can play. It's unreal. It's an unreal uh, look at baseball for those two. Last standout I wanted to mention, and we've talked about him a bunch this season, Jeffrey Springs, just another great outing at the Guardians. He went six shutout, three hits, zero walks, five strikeouts, 14 more swinging strikes on 88 pitches. His overall numbers, 2.45 ERA, over a strikeout per inning, 13.6% swinging strike rate. And we were all talking beforehand, Jeffrey Springs is not going to be valued to the skill level that he has shown so far this season in terms of just ERA, whip, swinging strike rate, his overall package, his skill set. I think that he's going to come at a value next season, Scott, and I'm going to be very interested in Jeffrey Springs. Yeah, potentially he'll come. Yeah, he'll he'll probably come at a value. I I mean, the the thing is, you know, he's he's you said he's not going to be drafted at his his skill set. Is that how you put it? Yes. Part of the reason for that is I'm not sure the Rays value him at his skill set, and you know maybe maybe the usage for him is going to change next year because he'll already be somewhat established as a starter and he'll have uh, reached a certain innings threshold this season, so maybe he can go beyond that. But it's going to be hard for him to live up to his skill set in fantasy if he's more or less a five-inning pitcher going six innings occasionally. Uh, I actually took the time to calculate his point-per-game average just as a starter because he had eight relief appearances this season. So I took those out, took out the points for all of them, and it came out to 13.04 points per start. That's exactly the same as George Kirby's had this year. I mean, George Kirby's been a a fine asset in fantasy, but he hasn't been a high-end pitcher in fantasy. So you know, top 50-ish for Jeffrey Springs with the upside to be more if he exceeds expectations in terms of workload. I mean, we saw Shane McClanahan. uh, I was worried about his workload coming in and that ended up being a non-issue. And and maybe the same will hold true for Springs, but particularly with the Rays and the way they handle their pitching staff, I have some concerns there. Yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I I was just going to say, I wanted to add, like, with Frank, like, we actually talked about this. I had Springs beforehand because I was so impressed with this, and I was making, I think, a bigger case. Uh, It was good that Scott did that as far as the points per game, but, you know, guys had four months of having an under three ERA uh, that he's put up in this season. And, you know, if you build in growth, if you take it for what it was and you break it down per start, you know, maybe he's more in line with George Kirby. I was making a case as far as total points go that he was right in line from a total points perspective around Luis Castillo. And if you build in any growth whatsoever, the drafting will not build in growth. That's kind of my thing. Like that he will be drafted at what he did last year because he is an incredibly unsexy name. I think Kirby will go rounds and rounds before him. But what's interesting is if you build in growth, he actually has a potential in my mind, at least to be an incredible value because I do believe there's a lot of growth. there. It's really minimal innings he's put under. If they go that route of pushing up 150, 160 with what he did this year, we're talking, he's going to go probably past the fifties. I think he has, top 30 upside so uh i i love the conversation i wish everyone could have heard the conversation we were having beforehand too about springs but uh yeah i love i love this one frank it was pretty similar to the conversation we just had i think yeah i guess so i guess so (laughs) it might have been a little bit better beforehand but uh last point i wanted to mention was basically that last point you hit on welsh was last year he threw 44 and two-thirds innings 
in 2021. This year he's up to 126 and a third. So I think the Rays were kind of playing it safe. They would pull him a bunch of times after like 60, 70 pitches, just playing it safe. If you think that workload can increase, then I think that there's, again, there, there's big upside here for a Jeffrey Springs next season. If you are setting your lineups next week, Scott went above and beyond. I thought last week was the last time, Scott, that we'd be giving out sleeper hitters and sleeper pitchers here on this very podcast. But there could be some people setting their lineups once again here on Monday for a three-day scoring period. In fact, I think I'm one of those people going up against Greg Jewett, Tout Wars Finals. So I might need some of these sleepers, Scott, that I could pick up on Sunday and just throw right in my lineup. So we'll start with the sleeper pitcher side of things. Who do you have for well, the three-day I, I, I got to ask real quick, because you, you play in one of the few Tout Wars leagues that's head-to-head as opposed to Roto. Yep. I can understand setting your lineup again on this final Monday for the three days in, in a roto league because you know the 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 cutoffs for when you set your lineup are kind of ar- arbitrary. It's just a year-long accumulation. But in head to head, is are they just allowing you to set your lineup again and the point total counts with the the previous seven days? It's one really long scoring period just with an extra chance to set your lineup. Is that what it is? Yeah. So the way that okay. this Tout Wars head to head league goes, you could set your lineups on Mondays and Fridays regardless. So they're just kind of sticking with that throughout the final scoring period. So we get to set our lineups okay. once more on Monday. That makes sense then. I, I just couldn't imagine like any head to head, like this is, you're going to make a three week scoring period, your championship game. That just didn't uh, make any we sense. We just have so, a whole you know, bunch day like, scoring period. All the points have accumulated over the past two weeks. I, I think we have yeah. well over 500 points at this point. Okay. Anyway. Uh, you want to hear about pitchers, you said? Actually, we're both over 600 points. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ooh, uh, yeah. That's a lot of points. Yeah, I'm uh, Update, I'm down 16 points against Greg Jewett. Uh, I was just about to ask in that because uh, Frank is the goat in that. I'm in that <laughs> with him. And I have... You know, I didn't I didn't get to do it. I had probably maybe the most incredible run at the end with uh, DeGrom and everything coming back. Frank, I don't know if you even saw I won nine straight games Damn. and just missed the playoffs after one of the worst starts ever. But Frank is so dominant in this league. I even petitioned him after. I'm like, because you get to change. You have the option to like change it. I'm like, will you please change it? And he's like, why would I change it? This would be the second straight <laughs> year. So I want you to win. But I also might have to petition Greg if he'll potentially change it. I might have to change my rooting I mean, interest too, if you win if you win in towers two years in a row that is it is is goat level stuff that, frank is yeah doing. that's that's elite company for sure i'm trying i'm trying all right scotty sleeper pitchers let's get him okay so my favorite is is going to be hunter green against the cubs of course I mean, the way he's looked since coming off the il he has another great matchup a strikeout prone lineup i'm not sure even sure how available he is anymore but if he's out there in your league you know, you're going to want to plug him in for those final three days. We got Jose Quintana at Pittsburgh. Now, Quintana kind of let us down in this start here on Thursday uh, because he was back to being the five-inning guy and not, you know, we saw him, We saw two of his four longest starts of the season in his previous two outings. And we're thinking, okay, maybe, maybe he's going to start pitching like a starting pitcher should six innings plus, but no, that didn't happen. And maybe it won't happen at the pirates either, but you you should expect the results to be good. And you know, you only have so many pitchers to choose from in those three days. Anyway, uh, Bryce elder at Miami. I think we got to run him out there. Right. But what do you think of Bryce Helter? Uh, Bryce Helter, Bryce elder, the Welsh. 
I am uh, the Scott. I am very, very impressed. Uh, very much so with that. Also that the innings that blew me away because they've got the stable of these guys, the stable of these guys that have got these just big fastballs and maybe secondaries that you question just a tiny bit. They've done it with Kyle Fuller, but they've never made the commitment. Bryce Elder was not one that I thought was going to happen, but that nine inning really changed me when I was actually staring at your list here. Like Bryce Elder was the one that jumped out to me. I think it's a phenomenal matchup for a guy that's going to get a rotation spot. So yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of this one. And we already saw him dominate the Marlins twice in the past. It's like in his past five starts, but they were spaced out with different minor league stints and whatnot. You could argue that's an advantage for the Marlins seeing him again, but I, I just think I think Elder's proven himself, if, if nothing else, against weak lineups like that. So those are probably my fav- three favorites, Green, Quintana, and Elder. If you need to dig a little deeper, we got Patrick Sandoval at the Athletics. We got Jack Flaherty also at Pittsburgh. He, he's going to make a start over the weekend. I kind of want to see how that goes because he's it's been kind of a mixed bag, him coming off the IL. But if Jack Flaherty looks good over the weekend, then I'd be happy to start him at Pittsburgh. Uh, I also wrote down here Marco Gonzalez against the Tigers, Aaron Savale against the Royals, Michael Lorenzen at the A's. To be honest, I'm not sure I have the stomach for any of those three. But I like to give you options just in case it's a desperate situation or you are less risk-averse than I am. If you're playing in a head-to-head points league or any type of roto format where you can make pickups for next week, if you're chasing wins, if you're chasing strikeouts, you you just want to go after volume at this point, these are some of the names that you're going to be looking at for that final three-day scoring period. Some sleeper hitters, the teams that Scott has picked out here, the Guardians, the Angels, the Twins, the Mets, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays, Scott. Let's uh, quickly run through these. So Taylor Ward, I think, is the the most obvious choice here with the kind of run he's been on. Talked about him at the top of the show. I also do have Jared Kelnick on this list as uh, somebody could start late in the year. Eduardo Escobar has been on fire in September since returning from the, the I.L., Getting past that oblique injury, he looks more like the Eduardo Escobar we thought we were getting coming into the year. Uh, let's see. Luis Renjifo, versatile guy, has those same favorable man- matchups Taylor Ward does. Those are, let's see, who are they facing? The Rockies, I believe. No, the A's. Bad pitchers either way. Um, and who else? Let's see. Whit Merrifield's been playing a lot for the Blue Jays. And hopefully that continues. They are facing the Orioles, that final series of the season. Uh, Carlos Santana has been kind of all or nothing here in September, but there have there have been there have been a bunch of home runs. So if you're looking for those specifically, he might be of some use to you. Oscar Gonzalez, I mean that's that's right up there with Taylor Ward in terms of how likely I'd be to use him. And uh, pretty much sums it up. Jose Miranda, if he happens to be available in your league, he's been looking better of late. Yeah, that's that's about it. All right, so those are some sleeper hitters for the final three days next week, Monday through Wednesday. And before we hit the break, I just do want to highlight a comment here on YouTube from Robert Chavez. FBT needs more Welsh. <laughs> well, I'm happy you brought that up, Robert, because I did want to let everyone know that starting next week, we're moving down to two podcasts per week. 
obviously it's the final three days of the season. So we'll be on Monday night and Wednesday night. So, you know, we'll be sweating out the final games here all together and we can just talk about season trends and league leaders and all that kind of fun stuff. So starting next week, Monday night, Wednesday night, we'll be here live stream on YouTube, podcast in your feed Tuesday and Thursday mornings. But that will basically be our schedule through, through December. So October, November, December, we'll be on two times per week. We'll have three FBT and fives per week in the offseason. So a little bit of some bonus content there for you. Uh, but yeah, two podcasts per week here in the offseason. And the Welsh will be on at least one of them per week. Maybe even more than that. Let's hit the break and we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The news and notes. We will start with Julio Rodriguez, who returned to baseball activities on Thursday and continues to aim for Monday activation when first eligible. Please, for those who are still holding out, if you could set your lineups. And just for the playoffs sake, right? Like The playoffs are going to be much better if Julio Rodriguez is in them. So, uh, I did want to ask you, well, it's just... Your quick thoughts on where Julio might go in drafts next year. You mentioned he could be the first overall player. Uh, Scott had Julio fifth overall in his first uh, two-round mock draft for next season. What do you think? Yeah, he, uh, he actually went eight overall in our early mock draft that we just did, which I actually thought was a little bit low. So I'll tell you this. I am struggling a little bit because I've completed my positional ranks, my early positional ranks. The one thing I have not, yeah, I know. Well, I go through, I think you and I probably have a much different phase. I think you do all encompassed at once. I go in phases. So this is phase one of initial kind of like surface level. Then we dig and we keep going. So that's how I do that. So it's a little bit more surface level. But the one thing I haven't done is do the overall. And I almost don't want to do the overall because (laughs) I think that's really, really tough. I'm struggling with Judge. I mean, I struggle with Judge to say, like, I don't know how you can not have him number one. You could take 25% of value, I think, off of him, and he's still the number one guy, even if you you want to be like, well, he's not going to hit 61 homers. All right, well, if he hits 45 and he (laughs) still steals 15 bases, he's still the number one overall player. So Judge is number one. Acuna is kind of interesting. Turner is kind of interesting, but I don't see how we value Turner over Julio Rodriguez now. So, you know, gun to my head, 
I think I would probably have Julio two or three at this moment because I think there's a lot of hitters that have struggled um, and missed time. We might have just missed a 30-30 opportunity from a rookie. So, yeah, he's easy top five. I don't even think that's a question. I think he's starting to jump into that top three territory. And when we start getting into our best balls and stuff, I think you're going to see a lot of number one overall Julio's. Even though Judge is Judge, I really do think in best balls you'll see some of that. So, yeah, top five is an easy one, and and, uh, Scott's on that. A 40-40 season is just not out of the realm of possibility for Julio Rodriguez, especially what he showed us this year, as young as he is. Uh, The top four picks that Scott has ahead of him, Judge, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, and then Julio Rodriguez, fifth overall. Tony Gonsolin is set to return Monday against the Rockies. That start is in Los Angeles. He only pitched two innings in his lone rehab start. Uh, Scott, would you start Tony Gonsolin on Monday if you set your lineups one more time? Probably not. Probably not. If it's a daily lineup situation where you're not so limited by the number of starts you can have in your lineup, okay, maybe. But I, I'm thinking it's it's going to be a short start. Trevor Story, not long enough for a win. Trevor Story is dealing with an illness and is unlikely to play again this season. Corey Seager has missed two straight after being hit by a pitch on his forearm on Tuesday. Sixto Sanchez will undergo shoulder surgery on Monday. The expectation remains that Sanchez will be ready for spring training. He has not pitched since September of 2020. Michael Brantley said that he should be ready to resume full baseball activities by spring training. He was limited to just 64 games due to a shoulder injury, and he is also a free agent turning 36 years old next May, so not sure how much Michael Brantley has left in in the tank. Zach Plesak had his start pushed back to Saturday with Aaron Savali starting on Friday. The great Connor Joe was placed on the IL with a shoulder strain. <laughs> we'll never forget you, Connor. Matt, <laughs> Matt Manning, it's over. Uh, it's it's over. over. The dream is... Matt Manning yeah. was placed on the 60-day IL with a right forearm strain. It's unknown whether Manning will be available for uh, when spring training starts. And I do have one prospect note here right before we get into our Arizona Fall League preview. Well, as you mentioned, all these prospects are getting called up, right? Like, what's going on, even this late in the season? Well, the Guardians, they just added their catcher prospect, Bo Naylor, to their taxi squad, which sounds like he could get a cup of coffee here in the majors. You know, uh, maybe they want to see a little bit out of him. I I don't know if they want to bring him onto their playoff roster, but maybe because he's been really, really good in the minors this season. Batting average, eh, okay, 263, but 21 homers, 20 steals, an 888 OPS, over 118 games as a catcher. Some catcher, some DH, but man, like catcher is going to be so fun over the next couple of years. We just have so many interesting players and athletes. Bo Naylor, Harry Ford, I know another one that's coming. Uh, not soon, but he he is coming. Welsh, your thoughts on uh, Bo Naylor here? Yeah, it's just one of those wild ones. I'll just kind of always say I'm in this space now in my life. Like I just remember him at rookie ball and talking with him and watching him hit balls against the uh, you know the the backfield and it's uh, it's a wild experience seeing him. Jo- uh, brother of Josh Naylor, by the way. Obvi- I think it's pretty obvious for everybody. Uh, Bo is a big a big home run guy too. Like he can connect into. He's also a better athlete uh, than his brother. He played some outfield in the early stages with the Indians slash Guardians. Um, I think one of the best reasons to bring him out is not just the catching, it's the flexibility that he provides. He's a good athlete. And one of the, man, I wish I had uh, I pulled it ahead of time, but I want to say it was like one of the only couple 2020 seasons we've ever seen from a catcher in the minor leagues that we've ever put together. And what's so great is not just the catcher renaissance that we're having, it's the new versatility of catchers. I mean, we now have the flexibility. We actually have 
the ability to get more stolen bases out of our catchers than we do our starting third baseman right now. Like that's a wild thing. Like think about that. Like where all can you get your stolen bases at a third baseman right now? Jose Ramirez, um, Bobby Witt, and who? Well, at catcher, you've got Romuto and Varsho easy. And then you can kind of start going down the list of guys that are going to be coming up. Harry Ford, like you mentioned, an athlete. Uh, Henry Davis of the Pirates, who's going to be in the AFL. It's just it's a great catcher time. Bo Naylor's a very interesting prospect with big, big power. But I do worry about you know him being able to make consistent contact early on in his career. I think once it gets there, he will be kind of one of those sneaky, probably like 20 12, 20 homer, 12 stolen base, maybe 15 stolen base catchers if he were to get regular time. But he's not of interest to me uh, this year. All right. Well, you mentioned the Arizona Fall League there and that Henry Davis will be playing with it. Let's preview the AFL because I'm not sure that the casual fantasy baseball player follows the AFL, even knows what it is. So what is it exactly? It's basically six all-star teams just loaded up with prospects from each MLB organization. They play... 25 to 30 games each over the course of October and November. And it's just a good opportunity for them to develop and showcase talent to their peers, so on and so forth. Maybe elevate some of their stock. I know uh, some players last year, well, she were talking about Logan O'Hoppy and, and look what he does and comes out this year and he's a breakout prospect and, and now having a chance to play with the Angels. Uh, would you say that that is a fair assessment and description of the Arizona Football yeah. League? Yeah, the nickname uh, it's been known for a long time is the finishing school. It's a finishing school for guys. Primarily, you're going to see one of two things. You're going to see guys that need more at-bats because of lost time in the season. Why? I'm a little surprised on a few players we didn't see, like Francisco Alvarez, I thought would have been kind of a prime guy to go. He didn't. Ezekiel Tovar, who was in the AFL last year, missed a ton of time. I thought he was a, a lock to come to the AFL. He didn't. He actually went to the majors. Uh, the other is... Well, it's kind of a two-parter. It's pushing more at-bats or innings that represent more of a major league time than the minor league season. So if you're typically getting 400, 450 at-bats in a minor league season and they want a guy to be ready for next year, you can get them 80 more at-bats in uh, the AFL so you can get them over 500. And then also you could throw in, sometimes there's positional stuff. Royce Lewis kind of famously when he came here, came off of a wrist injury. He had a horrible season. And he came here, he won the MVP, and he played four different positions in the AFL. And that gave him the flexibility. So it, it, bottom line, you said it great. It's a finishing school of some of the game's top prospects who, A, are going to elevate value very, very soon, or they're just getting them primed from you know high A to double A for the majors in the near future. So it's a really great spot, and it's a hidden place for talent for dynasty prospect guys, because this is a place where guys are going to elevate their prospect status in the off season that you a can take advantage of by buying low or selling high, depending what's going on. And it's going to give you a really good preview into next year, because there are guys that will get major league time that you can maybe sneakily do Logan, Ohapi, Tovar, even guys like Caleb Killian, who didn't work out. He was phenomenal in the AFL last year for the Cubs. He got some time as a starter this year. So it's, it's a little hidden trove of goodies and prospects. It's just, they don't televise the stuff They baseball hasn't uh, committed to it enough. So you got to get guys like us that are out there tweeting about it, or you get like, you know, the AFL championship game and the fall stars game, which is the all-star think of this. These are all like all-star little teams. Well, there's an all-star team of those guys <laughs> and that's the best. And that is what you can come out. They have the pit first pitch conference, which I hope, Maybe a little Frankie Stanfield or something we can get out there for that uh, championship game. But yeah, sorry, I, I was long-winded on that, but you said it very well. A uh, little sneak peek, yeah. I'm, I'm about 80% sure that I'm going to make it out for the AFL 
uh, well. So we're going to have some fun. We can watch some of these guys live, hopefully podcast a little bit and bring people some great content. Let's jump into just some of the names that are going to be playing here. Based on what I've seen, there are 16 top 100 prospects, and this is according to MLB Pipeline. So obviously it's subjective. You know, some pe- people might not have some of these prospects in the top 100, vice versa. Uh, but there are four top 20 names that I noticed. Jordan Walker of the Cardinals, Jordan Lawler of the Diamondbacks, Noel V. Marte of the Reds, Henry Davis of the Pirates. And Scott, there's some heavy hitters in this group. I just have to point out, Jordan Walker and Jordan Lawler are playing on the same team. So all the prospects from the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Cardinals are playing on the same team. So they also have Mason Wynn. They have Zach Veen. It's just an absolutely loaded Stupid. team. Uh, any quick thoughts, Scott, on those two? The, the two Jordans, Walker and Lawler. Almost certain we're going to see Jordan Walker next season uh, for the Cardinals. He's going to have to move off third base with Nolan Arenado there. And he's, you know, he's, it, it wasn't so clear he was going to stick at third base anyway, but he has uh, the bat to, uh, that, would, that would profile anywhere and uh, has looked really good as one of the youngest players at double A this year. Lawler has emerged, I think, as the, I don't think I'm overlooking anybody. The most impressive player of the the 2021 draft class. Uh, where was he drafted? Sixth overall? He was sixth overall to the Diamondbacks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he's been the most impressive. And it's possible he gets called up. I mean, as aggressive as teams were in September this year, and as it seems like they're going to be in future Septembers because of the, the incentives built into the new CBA, I, I think there's a pretty good chance we see Lawler next year they're both huge dynasty assets they're both going to be i I would imagine they're both uh, among my top 10 overall prospects next year yeah definitely makes sense to me and who has jordan lawler in the scott white dynasty league by the way Uh, that would be uh, me yuck not that not that my (laughs) team not that my team is like my team is terrible but i I just oh your team's not terrible it's terrible you had the best team (laughs) you had the best season this year of the three of us we're all in that league yeah, I was. Tra- I, I still have not gotten out of the bottom from when we did the initial draft of you and me starting up. So you're doing fine. So stop, to get stop coming active. down to our level. We well, need to get a little more active. The Welsh make a few more trades. We, we need to. We need to get a few more good <laughs> trades put my way. I don't think I saw a single good trade put my way. But I completely agree. It's time I need to go. But Frank needs to stop yeah. hoarding all the Jordan Lawlers. Dang it. Yeah. Uh, Welsh, do you remember the third person that was drafting with us in that expansion draft? I remember like hearing their voice and talking with him, but I don't just don't remember who it was. Yeah, his name is Greg Lathrop, and he is currently playing in the championship in the Scott White Dynasty League. So what are we doing? Pro- clearly Come not on, the man. right thing because Greg Lathrop, he's a great fantasy player. Uh, and he's I got Otani so. too. I want to point out, I drafted <laughs> Otani, I believe. Or no, maybe I got him in the auction, but I got Otani for cheap in that league, and I just can't pull within because I have I have injury after injury. It's stupid. <laughs> but good for Greg. Good for him. Congratulations. <laughs> the next group of four prospects I wanted to mention. Robert Hassel of the Nets is going to be out there. Zach Veen with the Rockies. Jason Dominguez of the Yankees. Quinn Priester, first starting pitcher mentioned here. He is with the Pirates. Well, so I was on your Prospect One podcast, I want to say a month or two ago, and we talked about how Robert Hassel looked lost since joining the Nats. Well, it only got worse. 37 games joining the Nats. He hit 219, one homer, four steals, a 28% strikeout rate. What is your concern level on Robert Hassel now versus then? Would you try and buy low right now? Buy low or heck no in Dynasty? 
Uh, I'm actually going to be a buy low because I think there's enough prospect people right now that are down, down, down on Robert Hassel. Um, the hard hit numbers didn't jump off the page. And then the change was really, really negative. Here's one thing I think that's what's good. And, and I would actually caution people like I would like to buy really low, but he's going to go back and he's going to play for Peoria which was where he was playing before. So he's going to be a comfortability level, which I kind of think because he's a high-end hitter, makes tons of contact. Him and CJ Abrams, great friends. They get to move over. I thought power-speed combo is his play, and everybody complained, hey, listen, the power isn't there. It will get there. I think there's a very Bryce Harper-ish type of swing he has in him. He will find power. I don't have a problem with it. And he's made tons of contact I've seen throughout a couple different stints in the minors. But... I think there might be a correlation that, you know, you get traded off of your spot. You go to a new place. The, a lot of these lower level guys get very hands off and I think he's struggling. And I think it's a lot of a mental thing and he gets to go back to the place that he has spent the last two years in the same facility, in the same stadium. He's going to feel very comfortable with the same personnel. I think it's a really good sign. So what I, what I mean all by that is that actually could raise that value back up with a good AFL. I think it could prop back up. I right now would like to buy low because I think it's like low, low, low. And I think he can improve himself back up into being kind of a consensus top 30 overall prospect because he has the five tools. Just the fourth one hasn't materialized. And that other one with the batting average has just gone away in changing destination. So I'm, a, I'm still a believer in Hassel. Four more prospects going to be out at AFL, all borderline top 75 prospects. Brennan Davis of the Cubs, Mason Wynn of the Cardinals, Andy Pajes of the Dodgers. I watched multiple highlights to make sure I got that name right. Yeah, actually, I've said payos, payos, but yeah, payos, payos. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks like pages. pages. Yeah, it's yeah, pages, we are, people said pages for years. I did it as well. Yeah, payos. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Matt McLean of the Reds. The one I wanted to quickly highlight here: Mason Wynn, big riser. He hit 283, 12 homers, Love. 43 steals in 119 games a season. Again, Cardinals organization. They just churn out prospect after prospect, and they look like they're going to be really, really good uh, for a long, long time. Four other names inside the MLB Pipeline Top 100. Jackson Merrill of the Padres, Tink Hentz of the Cardinals, Nick Gonzalez of the Pirates, and Zach Geloff of the Oakland A's. Names outside the Top 100, Scott? Matt Mervis. Matt Mervis is going to be yeah. at AFL, Scott. So I'm going to yeah. try, try and get some footage for you, Scott, because I know you're all over the Matt Mervis train. Uh, Nick York, uh, another name there of the Boston Red Sox. Kumar Rocker, Welsh. This one's kind of mm -hmm. interesting, right? So this is the first professional ball that we will see from Kumar Rocker at any minor league level is here out in the AFL. Yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to him a couple times, actually. Uh, interestingly enough, I've, I've said this before, he was my very first interview I ever did of an athlete on Prospect One, was him before he was, he was a high school kid, uh, my show Prospect One, and he was going into the draft, and we chatted, we actually talked about MLB The Show, and I was like, what would your pitches be? Well, a really stupid interview. And then, like, come into here, I live right next to the Royals and the Rangers facility. So it is a cakewalk for me to walk over. I can walk over there if I wanted. And I caught him because he's been here the whole time, which I think is a really good sign, but he hasn't pitched. He's worked out. He's him and Brock Porter, the other top pick with him. They're kind of hand in hand. They've been at the facility the whole time. And the rumor was kind of circulating that not only would he not participate in instruct, but they would just throw him right into the AFL, which is aggressive, which is what they did with Jack Leiter. Jack Leiter, they went right to double A. And I think this is what you're going to see with Kamar Rocker. You're going to get AFL and you're going to throw him straight into double A next year. And this will be the first professional pitching we're going to see out of him. So yeah, I've got a couple of notes and what we're going to talk about here. He's one of those guys that is, is so critical, important for me that I want to watch. 
And luckily, the Surprise Stadium is very friendly in their radar gun, so you can get a lot of information because I want to see how that changeup has materialized to go with a dominant slider and a big fastball. If there are any sleepers you're worried, uh, wondering about for the AFL, Edward Julian is someone that Scott and I have talked about on FBT and 5. He's in the Twins organization. Big OBP. He has power. He has speed. He makes contact. He's a really, really interesting prospect. So I want to see what he has to offer. Uh, Warming Bernabel is someone in the Rockies organization that like, I didn't really know anything about this guy. And I looked up his minor league numbers. They are awesome. So I want to see what he could do as well. Uh, quickly, Welsh, we'll hit on a few more of these. Any sleepers, anyone that you think that has yeah. the most to gain here in the AFL? So I'll do this really quick because I got three little territories for you. Uh, most to gain, Matt Mervis. I, I had him highlighted. He's one of the most important to me. 309 average, 600 slugging this year, 36 homers. He improved his K rate at every single level this year and got to 15% at AAA. I think Matt Mervis is going to be a star in the AFL. He's going to thrive here. He's going to hit homers at Sloan Park, and he might be an MVP because I think he's going to be able to hit here, and he's going to rock it up. So I think he's incredibly important of a player that you guys are going to pay, pay attention to and has the most to gain. I would say Jordan Walker, who we talked about, already had moved into right field. From what I'm told, he will exclusively play right field in the AFL. So this is going to be an opportunity for him to kind of really establish that. And Brennan Davis has a lot to gain because of a really bad season and bad prospect stuff that's been put on him. Sleepers, two sleepers, Colt Heath with the Detroit Tigers, who will be playing in the Salt River uh, team, hit 300 at high A this year, nine homers, four stolen bases, and under 200 at bats. Makes really, really good contact. I'm excited to see him. And Nico Cavadas, Cavadas, uh, Cavadas, tomato, tomato, uh, with the Boston Red Sox. He had the sixth highest hard hit percentage, according to Rotowire. And if you take a look over at uh, James, my buddy James Anderson and his prospect list, if you sort it by applicable prospects he has in his top 400, that would be the sixth highest of any prospect he has ranked, a 39% hard hit batted ball rate in the minors. And then finally, I would give you uh, my notes of players that I'm going to be watching and paying attention to the most. You said Kumar Rocker. I think it is huge because he might be the best pitcher out here in a place that stinks with pitching. Quinn Priester, Kumar Rocker, Tink Hintz, that's it. Those are the guys. Kumar Rocker could have a chance to really thrive here, and I think it's going to establish this starter versus reliever. Uh, Jason Dominguez is the other one. Everybody in the world wanted to sell him off. I've been saying hold, wait till, even if you want to hold till his value comes back up, I think this is critical to see the next level and Huge sleeper. If you don't pay attention to it for deeper leagues, Davison De Los Santos with the Diamondbacks. I am a huge fan. Go type his name in under my Twitter. You will see a video in spring training. I was doing BP. He was in a BP session with Corbin Carroll and Alec Thomas. He hit a light pole and you hear the ding off the light pole in BP. I asked multiple pitchers in the Diamondbacks, one being Ryan Nelson, who made his major league debut. And Ryan Nelson lit up when I asked him about Davis on in spring training saying this guy, and he's an 18 year old at that time, I believe. And he said, this guy is impressive. Doesn't get fooled. He just came off of an insanely impressive minor league season. He'll be one of the youngest players in the AFL hitting in his home ballpark. He's a great deep, deep league dynasty guy. Who's a little bit of ways, but they're being really aggressive with him and he's playing third base right now. I love Davis on De Los Santos. He's a top 100 prospect, according to my list. And I don't know if he's a household name, but the AFL might help it just a little bit more. All right. Arizona Fall League starting up next week, and we'll have some updates for you via our guy here, the Welsh. And just in case you're listening and you're a redraft player, you might be wondering, man, why do I need to know about all these guys? It's still important, man. Like these are names that are going to get called up throughout the course of the season, throughout the next couple of years that you just want to have on your radar, throw them on your scout team. And 
you could be like, hey, I was the first one to hear about this guy because I heard about them uh, mm. talking about it. That's the best too, by the way, I, like getting it before anybody else. That's always the best. <laughs> right. And and bold prediction. I know we've mentioned Matt Murphys twice already. I think that's going to be a guy. You, you said he could potentially win AFL MVP, <laughs> regardless of whether that happens or not. I think Matt Murphys is going to have a ton of helium next spring. Agreed. I think he'll probably be the Cubs opening day first baseman, if I had to guess right now. Mm. All right. Matt Mervis, again, a name to remember for next season. Let's quickly run through some leftovers, some streamers for the weekend. Uh, don't want to, not too much to, to talk about, but from Thursday night, just some hitters I noticed that are finishing strong here, Scott. Javier Baez uh, having a big September, hit 323, five homers, 902 OPS. Seiya Suzuki, uh, he has returned once again. He was on the restricted list. I, I think paternity list at one point as well. He went two for three with a triple, two runs scored. 64 games since returning back in July. 280 batting average, nine homers, six steals for Seiya Suzuki. That is a 21 homer, 14 steal pace over 150 games. Taylor Ward, we spoke about. Uh, two you know, prospects, one higher, one lower. Tristan Casas, again, hitting well, two more hits. Last eight games, he's batting 435, three homers, 11 walks to five strikeouts. And Kyle Stowers with the Orioles, he went two for four with his third home run. And in September, he's hitting 298 with an 816 OPS. So we've got names all over the place here, Scott. But uh, anything you'd like to add to Javi Baez, Seiya Suzuki, Tristan Casas, Kyle Stowers? I did happen to see that Javi Baez thought he, you know, he got off to a slow start this year and he kind of put pressure on himself to make it up all at once. And he's felt more like his normal self here in September. You could buy that explanation or not, but I, I think I think it's at least plausible. And we saw Eugenio Suarez uh, use a big September last year to to kind of lead into a bounce-back season this year. Eugenio Suarez has become a real fantasy asset again, and, and maybe Baez could do the same. I'd be, I'd be willing to buy him for cheap next year, given his history, given his... You know, track record he's not that old um and i know I say that as somebody who's had javier Baez as a bust like each of the past five years but there's obviously upside there too tristan casas i'm getting really excited about him i loved him as a prospect and i love what he's done here over the past eight games 11 walks versus five strikeouts three home runs a lot of opposite field power frank i've been putting together my first base rankings for next year casas checks in at 19th for me which sounds low 19th at an infield position but you got to remember like first base is so deep so, so deep. deep so i have tristan casas ahead of guys like ryan mountcastle uh luis arise dj lemayhew jake cronenworth i uh i feel like that's that's gonna make me one of the higher guys on him and and i hope that turns out to be a case. I want to have a lot of Tristan Costas next year. I don't even know if I'm going to get around to drafting Matt Mervis with all the <laughs> options at first base. Hey, you draft Matt Mervis for your bench, Scott. You draft Matt Mervis yeah. and Tristan Costas for your bench. Why not? Uh, a few pitcher, pitchers I wanted to mention. Lucas Gilito, we'll save this conversation for another day. I, I just have no idea what we do with Lucas Gilito for next year. Uh, he, it was an okay start here on Thursday against the Twins. His velocity was way down. Fastball was down two miles per hour. His changeup was down 2.6 miles per hour. And he's got an ERA at five on the nose for the season. 1.47 whip cool. for Giolito. He is going to be an interesting one to talk about. Uh, Scott, we spoke about Garrett Cole versus Brandon Woodruff yesterday. They're in the mix for like that, you know, could they finish at the SP1 next season? Carlos Rodon says, 
Don't forget about me. Six shutout, 10 strikeouts uh, to zero walks, only two hits allowed. And I believe he has the ability to exercise his option because he hit the innings threshold that he needed to. So he will be a free agent, and it'll be interesting to see where Carlos Rodon winds up this offseason. Some bullpen updates for the White Sox. Liam Hendricks struck out two for his 34th save. For the Red Sox, somebody named Caleb Ort picked up his first career save. Matt Barnes was unavailable. For the Cubs, Keegan Thompson pitched the final three innings for his first save. For the Marlins, Dylan Floro picked up his ninth. For the Angels, Ryan Tapera picked up his fifth. I know Jimmy Herget had, I think he worked each of the past two days. Definitely had their last two saves. For the Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell no more. David Price picked up his second save of the season. For the Giants, Camilo Duvall picked up his 27th. And for the Mariners, Paul Sewald was brought into the seventh inning. I didn't look into like the situation. I'm sure you know it was probably a close game, but he gave up two runs at the time, which I think actually tied the game. So just the, the, the usage for the Mariners bullpen remains frustrating, if nothing else. Streamers for the weekend. Well, it's the way we go about this. I throw out a bunch of names. If there's anybody you like at all, you could say, hey, I like this guy. And if there's not, you can just say, please do not stream anyone on this day. <laughs> so for Friday, we have Belly Falter at the Nationals, Adrian Sampson versus the Reds, Domingo Herman versus the Orioles, Aaron Savali versus the Royals, and Glenn Otto at the Angels. Do you guys like any? Sampson. Give me Adrian Sampson. I'll take that. I mean, uh, one earned run in... You know, I think it's what is it? It's one earned run or less in four straight starts. Hasn't given up more than two earned runs since August 23rd. That's a good matchup. Last time he pitched against them, he uh, did only strike out one, but give up uh, one earned run in six innings and five hits. I like Adrian Sampson. Scotty? Well, I was going to say no to everybody because <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know what Sampson's good at. Savale against the Royals. That means, I guess, his last two starts will be against the Royals because we talked about him for the three-game scoring period. But, you know, I'd, I'd rather not do it. I don't have a lot of trust in Savale at this point. Well, just so you know, Scott hates this segment. Like, every time I bring up names, he's like, please don't stream anyone. Just have good pitchers. Yeah. No. <laughs> On Saturday, by the way, we have Austin both at the Yankees, which... By the way, I bought tickets to Saturday's game because I'm hoping to see Ooh. number 62 for Aaron Judge. There's like 80% chance in uh, of rain in the forecast, so that sucks. So Did you buy out a whole section like Zach Campbell <laughs> to get the ball? No, no, I don't, I don't plan, I don't plan oh. to fight any kids to try and get the ball or anything. Uh, Austin Voth is at the Yankees. Brian Bayo at the Blue Jays. Dre Jameson, Welsh's boy, at the Giants. Jacob Junis versus the Diamondbacks. Uh, Zach Plesak's return versus the Royals. Edward Cabrera at the Brewers. Luis Ortiz, who has pitched very well for the Pirates. He's at the Cardinals. Jose Suarez versus the Rangers. And Michael Grove. Sounds gross, but he's going up against the Rockies in L.A. Dre. I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a homer. I probably try to stay away, I guess, overall, but Dre has just been so good. He has faced the Giants, which might be a little bit of advantage. He has gone down in innings since the start. I don't really particularly love anybody, but if I did have to pick one, I would go a little bit homeristic with Dre Jameson. Yeah, I think if I had to pick somebody, it'd be him, but I don't love it either. Jose Suarez against the Rangers, that could go okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. On Sunday, we have Kyle Bradish at the Yankees, Rowanzi Contreras at the Cardinals, Marcus Stroman versus the Reds, and James Caprillion at the Mariners. Yuck. Yeah, it's not good. Oh, I think between the three days, Stroman is my favorite. Yeah, Stroman against the he's Reds. He's pitched really well the past like two months or so. 
Maybe. Maybe. It's, Plan ahead. I, that, that's actually like the whole thing I would be doing is rank all three days and make my moves accordingly to that. Like if Strowman was the one that jumped out, I don't know if I love it. Samson, Strowman, Jamison, I could get down with all three if you were in that spot. But I don't know. I'm not, not sure I would want it to come down to the Sunday if I had to prioritize only one. But it's kind of gross. It's kind of gross overall. He is the Welsh. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at is it the Welsh, and he's going to be here all offseason providing us uh, some content. We'll talk some Dynasty, some Arizona Fall League. Make sure you check out his podcast in this league and Prospect One as well. For Scott and Welshie, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again next week. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.